John chapter 8, beginning with verse 23. And this is Jesus speaking to the Pharisees, the religious crowd among the Jews. And he said unto them, Ye are from beneath, I am from above. Ye are of this world, I am not of this world. I said therefore unto you that ye shall die in your sins. For if ye believe not that I am he, ye shall die in your sins. Then said they unto him, Who art thou? And Jesus saith unto them, Even the same that I said unto you from the beginning. I have many things to say and to judge of you, but he that sent me is true, and I speak to the world those things which I have heard of him. They understood not that he spake to them of the Father. Then said Jesus unto them, When ye have lifted up the Son of Man, then shall ye know that I am he, and that I do nothing of myself. But as my Father hath taught me, I speak these things. And he that sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone, for I do always those things that please him. Jesus speaking to the Pharisees said in verse 28, When ye have lifted up the Son of Man, then shall ye know that I am he. Jesus was speaking concerning his death. John chapter 12 explains this for us. For there Jesus said, And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, speaking of being crucified, I will draw all men unto me. Now Jesus is saying to the Pharisees now, When ye have lifted up the Son of Man, then shall ye know that I am he. And Jesus is speaking of himself and the Father. They will not only realize that they have put to death their Messiah, but that this is their God. For Jesus is speaking of the Trinity here as well. Now, talking about being lifted up, turn with me to Matthew chapter 27. And here is the scriptural account of the Lord Jesus Christ being lifted up from the earth. Matthew 27, verse 33. And when they were coming to a place called Golgotha, that is to say a place of a skull, they gave him vinegar to drink mingled with gall. And when he had tasted thereof, he would not drink. And they crucified him and parted his garments, casting lots, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, they parted my garments among them, and upon my vesture did they cast lots. And sitting down, they watched him there, and set up over his head his accusation written, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Then were there two thieves crucified with him, one on the right hand, and another on the left. And they that passed by reviled him, wagging their heads and saying, Thou that destroyest the temple and buildest it in three days, save thyself. If thou be the Son of God, come down from the cross. Likewise also the chief priest, mocking him with the scribes and elders, said, He saved others. Himself he cannot save. 
If he be the king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross, and we will believe him. He trusted in God. Let him deliver him now, if he will have him. For he said, I am the Son of God. The thieves also, which were crucified with him, cast the same in his teeth. Now from the sixth hour there was darkness over all the land unto the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is to say, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Some of them that stood there, when they heard that, said, This man calleth for Elias. And straightway one of them ran and took a sponge and filled it with vinegar and put it on a reed and gave him to drink. The rest said, Let be, let us see whether Elias will come to save him. Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. Let's pray. Father, I do ask that you would add blessing to the reading of your word this morning. God, I need help as I preach. And I pray that you would use your word to be a help, an encouragement, a conviction to those who are gathered here this morning. If there be any lost person in our group, one who does not know you as Savior, Lord, I pray that you'd convict and save that soul this morning. God, whatever the need of any heart, we ask that you'd meet it. We ask these things in the name of your Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. This is the story of the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us in verse 35, and they crucified him. Verse 37 tells us, and set up over his head his accusation written, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. He had often been accused of things during his earthly ministry. He was accused of being gluttonous and a wine-bibber. It was a false accusation. But here, there is a true accusation. This says, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. And you know what? Jesus is the King of the Jews. They have rejected Him. Many still reject Him today as their Messiah. But make no mistake about it. He is the King of the Jews. One day He will return and establish His kingdom. His people as a nation will believe on Him. And He will rule and reign over them upon this earth for 1,000 years. The Bible then tells us that as Jesus is hanging upon the cross, that they watched him. There were thieves on either side of him. Those who passed by the cross reviled him, wagging their heads and saying, Thou that destroyest the temple and buildest it in three days, save thyself. If thou be the Son of God, come down from the cross. Now aren't you thankful that the Lord Jesus Christ did not come down from the cross? Had he come down, we would have had no hope, and all of us would have been miserably lost in our sins. But Jesus was not hanging there on the cross, thinking about saving himself. Jesus was hanging there on the cross that he might save everyone who would believe on him as Lord and Savior. 
And everyone in this room this morning who has believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, you can say, thank you, Lord, for not coming down, for dying there in my place, shedding your blood to wash away my sins. And yet Jesus was reviled. Likewise, the Bible tells us in verse 41, the chief priest mocking him with the scribes and elders said, he saved others himself he cannot save. If he be the king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross and we will believe him. They did not realize that Jesus was not trying to save himself, but even Jesus was dying for their sins. These who are mocking him, their statement is not one which they believe. If he be the king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross and we will believe him. That was a lie. They never intended to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. They understood His identity. They knew that He was their Messiah, and they refused to believe on Him. He met every fulfillment for the Messiah of Israel. He had already performed all of the signs necessary for the Jews to believe on Him as such. He had already caused the blind to see, the deaf to hear, the lame to walk. He had raised folks from the dead. He had cast devils out of those who were possessed with devils. This man controlled the elements. He was able to make the wind and the wave obey him. This indeed was the Son of God. He is the Messiah of Israel. And he had given them signs which they rejected. They never had any intent on believing on him as the king of Israel. And the Bible tells us, if it were not enough, that not just those who passed by, not just the religious crowd mocked him, but the thieves who were crucified on each side of him, according to the scriptures, cast the same in his teeth. At least at the very beginning, both of them ridiculed our Lord. But you know the rest of the scripture, how that one of them later believed and realized his place and knew that he had no hope except that he believed on the Lord. This event did not happen by accident. It was planned before the world ever began. The scriptures foretold this event. The Lord Jesus Christ prophesied concerning his own death. If we turn back to Matthew chapter 16, there is one of the places where Jesus prophesies concerning what will happen unto him. Matthew 16 verse 21. From that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. Isn't it interesting that the very group that is mocking Jesus while he is hanging upon the cross, Jesus prophesied that they would do so? He prophesied that he would suffer at their hands. The elders, chief priests, and scribes, they would kill him, he prophesied. But he would rise again the third day. But the Bible tells us that even though Jesus made this prophecy, and he, in a similar passage, said the same in Luke chapter 18, you can turn with me there, that the disciples did not understand what Jesus was saying. 
Luke 18, verse 31. Then he took unto him the twelve, and said unto them, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man shall be accomplished. For he shall be delivered unto the Gentiles, and shall be mocked, and spitefully entreated, and spitted on. And they shall scourge him, and put him to death. And the third day he shall rise again. Here the Lord Jesus Christ, again, speaking unto the disciples, is foretelling. He is prophesying what will happen unto him in Jerusalem, that he will be crucified, and that he will rise again the third day. But notice, verse 34 says, And they understood none of these things. And this saying was hid from them, neither knew they the things which were spoken. Jesus told them what was going to happen. But they did not understand what Jesus was speaking about concerning his death and resurrection. In fact, it would not be until after his resurrection in Luke chapter 24 that Jesus would open their understanding that they might know what it was that he accomplished there on the cross of Calvary and in rising from the dead. They didn't understand until afterwards. But there would be a group who would understand as Jesus is hanging upon the cross. Remember what Jesus said to the religious crowd in John chapter 8? When ye have lifted up the Son of Man, then shall ye know that I am He. Now the disciples didn't understand until later. But as Jesus is hanging upon the cross, the religious crowd, they would know that they have just crucified their Messiah. Talking about prophecy... We know Jesus told what was going to happen unto him. But the Old Testament prophets foretold it as well. Remember, Jesus said that he would feel all, fulfill all that was said in the law and the prophets concerning him. Turn back to Psalms. The 69th Psalm. Psalm 69, verse 21, you will immediately recognize that this scripture was fulfilled in Matthew 27. Psalm 69, verse 21, they gave me also gall for my meat, and in my thirst they gave me vinegar to drink. That's what they did. Twice it is mentioned there in Matthew chapter 27. But turn with me to the book of Isaiah, Isaiah 50. Additional scripture, and we're just talking about some of them that were fulfilled with the death of the Savior. Isaiah 50, verse 6, I gave my back to the smiters and my cheeks to them that plucked off the hair. I hid not my face from shame and spitting. This is what happened to the Lord Jesus Christ. We look into Isaiah 52, there in verse 14. The Bible says, as many were astonished at thee, his visage was so marred more than any man, and his form more than the sons of men. Again, 
a prophecy that was fulfilled when Jesus was scourged. He was beaten and crucified. His visage, the Bible tells us, was so marred more than any man. But in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah 53, we find an entire chapter that prophesies concerning the suffering of the Savior. Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows, and acquainted with grief, and we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs, and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shearers is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see of the travail of his soul, and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great. And he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death. And he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. What a great chapter in the Word of God. Prophecy that was fulfilled when the Lord Jesus Christ endured his passion. And yet we'd find that out of all of the Old Testament, no place speaks more prophetically about the suffering of the Savior, about his death upon the cross, as does Psalm 22, if you'll turn with me to that passage of Scripture. The 22nd, the 23rd, and the 24th Psalm form what is known as a trilogy. It has been said that each one of them speak of the shepherd. Psalm 23, 
is known as the Psalm of the Crook, which speaks of the bent shepherd staff. For there we'd find that the great shepherd, as he is referred to in Hebrews 13, leads the sheep. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. The 24th Psalm is known as the Psalm of the Crown. And it speaks of the chief shepherd, of which we are told in 1 Peter chapter 5. The chief shepherd one day will return. He will return for the church in the rapture, and he will return in the second advent to establish his kingdom. In Psalm 24, verse 7. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be ye lift up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, even lift them up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. Selah. But the 22nd Psalm is known as the psalm of the cross. In no place in the word of God is there more prophecy concerning what would happen on that day that Jesus was lifted up to be crucified than right here in the 22nd psalm. And being known as the psalm of the cross, we would expect it then not to speak of the great shepherd, and not to speak of the chief shepherd, but as John chapter 10 says, it speaks of the good shepherd who giveth his life for the sheep. You understand this morning that the Lord Jesus Christ gave himself for us. It was our iniquities that were laid upon him. We should have been there, but he hung there instead, shedding his blood, that if we believe on him as Savior, it matters not what sin we have committed, that blood would wash away our sins. And praise the Lord for it. It's remarkable that this psalm, the 22nd psalm, opens with these words, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? These are the words which the Lord uttered upon the cross. But I'd say within the context of this passage that it, these are not prophetic. These are not words that are listed here to show us what Jesus would later say. For these, within the proper context, are the words of the psalmist. This is a prayer, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me and from the words of my roaring? O oh my God, I cry in the daytime, but thou hearest not, and in the night season, and am not silent. We know now that these cannot be the words of the Savior, not even prophetically speaking, because... There was never a time when Jesus prayed that the Father did not hear him, whether it be day or night. Jesus, in fact, said, I know that thou hearest me always. But these are the words of the psalmist, and they are significant, though, to the message of which we are preaching. We look at verse 7 of the 22nd Psalm. All they that see me laugh me to scorn. They shoot out the lip. They shake the head saying he trusted on the Lord that he would deliver him. Here is prophecy 
concerning the very head motions of the people at the cross. It says they shake the head saying, what does Matthew 27, and you can hold your place in Psalm 22 and in Matthew 27, for we'll go back and forth. The Bible says in Matthew 27 verse 39, and they that passed by reviled him wagging their heads. The very head motions had been prophesied, and it's fulfilled in Matthew 27. Back in Psalm 22, the words of verse 8, He trusted on the Lord that He would deliver him. Let him deliver him, see, and he delighted in him. Matthew 27, verse 43, These are the very words that were spoken by the chief priests, the scribes, and the elders. They said he trusted in God, let him deliver him now, if he will have him, for he said, I am the Son of God. Amazing detail. Not just the shaking of the head, but the very words that would be uttered on that day are prophesied. And back in Psalm 22, the Bible tells us in verse 12, Many bulls have compassed me, strong bulls of Bashan have beset me round. They gaped upon me with their mouths as a ravening and a roaring lion. It's interesting that while we do not read in Matthew 27 of this taking place, there is something that is happening that two men's eyes are hidden. Not only do the people who walk by shake their heads and revile Jesus, not only do the thieves who are hanging beside of Him cast the same in His teeth, not only do the religious people mock the Savior, but two men's eyes are hidden. The fact that there are devils. Those of you who are Bible students understand who the strong bulls of Bashan are. They are devils. And as Jesus is hanging on the cross, they also are compassing Him round about and gaping upon Him with their mouths. They are ridiculing Him and mocking Him as well. And folks, He's not only enduring what the people before Him are saying, but what the devils are saying as well. Jesus, being God in the flesh, could have come down from the cross. He could have put a stop to it immediately. But had He done so, we would have been forever lost. Praise God He stayed on the cross and endured this suffering. Verse 14 of Psalm 22, I am poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted in the midst of my bowels. This is fulfilled in John chapter 19 as that Spear was thrust into his side. Forthwith came there out blood and water. My heart is like wax. It is melted in the midst of my bowels, literally fulfilled. Verse 15, my strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue cleaveth to my jaws, and thou hast brought me into the dust of death. Literally fulfilled as Jesus hanging upon the cross says, I thirst Verse 16, for dogs have compassed me, the assembly of the wicked have enclosed me, they pierced my hands and my feet. Matthew 27, verse 35, and they crucified him. They literally pierced his hands and his feet. Verse 17, I may tell all my bones, they look and stare upon me. 
talking about the soldiers who crucified him, fulfilled in verse 36 of Matthew 27. And sitting down, they watched him there, staring at the Lord Jesus Christ and the events that will unfold on that day. In verse 18, they part my garments among them and cast lots upon my vesture. Fulfilled in verse 35, and they crucified him and parted his garments, casting lots that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet. They parted my garments among them, and upon my vesture did they cast lots. All these scriptures fulfilled from the 22nd Psalm to the smallest detail, they were fulfilled. The Lord Jesus Christ is hanging there. Pouring out His blood for the sins of the world. Dying so that we would not know eternal death. Dying so that we might live. Yet we'd find then, in verse 46 of Matthew 27, these words. And about the ninth hour Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Now notice, your Bible, your King James Bible is specific. It uses the words that God intended should be used. It says here, Jesus cried with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is to say, Jesus cried with a loud voice saying, not asking. That is to say, not that is to ask. Jesus is making a statement. He is not asking a question. Now, I have often preached in years gone by that when Jesus hung upon the cross, because He was taking the sin of the world upon Himself, that God turned His back upon the Son. That's the reason for the darkness, because the Father could not look upon sin. But I realize from the study of the Scriptures that that's not so. Because God does look upon sin. The Bible tells us that in Genesis 6 when he looked before the flood and saw that the wickedness was great. He has often looked and beheld the sin of men. And God can do that. And he is so high and he is so holy that it will not affect his holiness or his person whatsoever. He is still God. And the Bible tells us in Proverbs 15 verse 3 that the eyes of the Lord are in every place beholding the evil and the good. We know that God should not have to look upon sin. He is of purer eyes than to behold evil, as Habakkuk 1 verse 13 says. But yet He does look upon sin. He sees what each one of us are doing. He knows our hearts. God does look upon sin. And I would submit to you this morning that the Father did not forsake the Son. He did not look upon the Son with displeasure. But the Son was doing the very thing that He was sent to do. His death was not an abhorrence in the eyes of the Father, but it was pleasing in the eyes of the Father. God was enjoying what the Son was doing. It was pleasing to the Father that the Son was reconciling the world unto himself. Ephesians 5 tells us that the Son was offering a sweet-smelling savor. 
Now there are many things that the son said when he was hanging upon the cross. The scripture ref refers to those seven statements. And often in my study of Baptist history, I have read that those who were called upon to give their lives for their faith often quoted what the Savior quoted while he was hanging upon the cross. It was often heard as people were led to the place where they were be, to be burned to death. I thirst. I desire something to drink. Often we read that those who would be martyred made provision for their loved ones. As Jesus made provision for the care of his mother as he was dying upon the cross, so also we'd find that many of the martyrs made provision for the care of their children, entrusting them to someone else or of their aged parents for whom they'd no longer be able to care. Also we'd find that Felix Mantz, as he was thrown over the overboard there in Switzerland, in the lake, where he would die a martyr's death. Before he died, he was heard to say, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And many martyrs also said the same thing. Do you remember that Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do? Often that was the martyr's cry. They would say to those who were putting them to death, that they forgave them, and they would ask God to do the same thing, to forgive them. Grace from God to utter these sayings, following the example of the Savior. But I've never read in history, not one time, that any martyr ever made the statement that we find here in verse 46. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why? Because God never did forsake them. They never asked that question. Obadiah Holmes, as he was being beaten there in Boston for his Baptist faith, he said that even though the pain was great, that he felt such a spiritual manifestation of the presence of God that in a manner he felt it not. He found at that time that God did not forsake him, but that God helped him. And you who are saved understand that God has promised that He would never leave us nor forsake us. That He is always there to help. That we will find grace to help in time of need. You can testify that that is a scriptural certainty. So what's happening here? When Jesus says, not when He asks, but when He says, My God my God, why hast thou forsaken me? We know that the Father did not forsake him because of the 22nd Psalm. For there it says in verse 24, For he hath not despised nor abhorred the affliction of the afflicted, neither hath he hid his face from him. But when he cried unto him, he heard. In the one place in all the Old Testament that talks more about the suffering of the Savior on the cross than any other place, it tells us there that God did not turn His back upon the Son, that He did not forsake the Son, that He heard Him. Do you remember then what Jesus said in John chapter 8 to the religious crowd? When ye have lifted up the Son of Man, then shall ye know 
that I am He. When Jesus said, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He was not asking God a question. He was quoting, he was quoting Scripture. He was quoting the opening verse of the 22nd Psalm. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Jesus was quoting the words of the psalmist. And why do you think Jesus would do that? Why do you think he'd make reference to the one place in all of the Old Testament that talked more about what was happening at that very moment than any other? Because he had already told the religious crowd, When ye have lifted up the Son of Man, then shall ye know that I am He. Now to those who are around the foot of the cross, who may not have been religious, that probably meant nothing unto them. But to those who made a living as scribes, copying the Scriptures, to those who professed to be religious, the elders who were required to know the Scriptures, the chief priest, who were the chief of the religious in Israel. These people knew immediately when Jesus quoted the words of the 22nd Psalm what was contained therein. And all that they had to do was to look around. There they'd see the soldiers in fulfillment of Psalm 22, watching Jesus staring at him as he is on the cross. In fact, they looked and there is a man hanging before them whose feet and hands are pierced. They understood that people were walking by the cross and they could see them shaking their heads in fulfillment of the 22nd Psalm to which their attention had just been drawn. They also understood that there were those who were gambling over Jesus' clothes there at the cross in fulfillment of the 22nd Psalm. They understood as Jesus cried for something to drink and vinegar was given unto him that that was in fulfillment of the 22nd Psalm. And if that were not enough, the very words that they themselves had just uttered, he saved others. Himself he cannot save. If he be the king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross and we will believe him. He trusted in God. Let him deliver him now if he will have him. The very words that they had just spoken were in fulfillment of the 22nd Psalm. When ye have lifted up the Son of Man, then shall ye know that I am he. You know what they realized? We have just crucified our Messiah. We have just put him to death. They knew it. The disciples didn't understand. The Bible tells us so. But the religious crowd understood. Their attention was drawn to that passage in the scripture that talked about his crucifixion. It took his death to open their eyes to a truth. His death and resurrection should have caused them to believe. There's the difference in those of us who are here this morning 
who have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. At some time or another, someone, whether it was a faithful witness, a neighbor, a co-worker, a parent, a pastor, preached to us the gospel that Jesus died, that He shed His blood on the cross of Calvary, that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day, and that if we would believe that truth, then we could have eternal life. Our sins would be washed away forever gone by His blood. Someone told us that. And if you're here this morning and you believed, you gave assent to the truth as it was presented unto you. You embraced it in your heart. It became effectual unto you. But I am afraid that there are many people, many in the world who have heard this old story, many people that you have witnessed to on the job or in your families, they have heard the story. Many of them will even give assent to the fact that it happened in history. And yet they will not believe with their hearts the truth of the message that Jesus died for them. And perhaps there are even some here in our midst this morning. You have been told that Jesus died on the cross. He shed His blood to cleanse you from your sins. You've been looking for help. You've been looking for hope. You've not been able to find it in any other thing or in any other person in this world. I am saying to you this morning, do not be like the Pharisees. Believe the truth as it has been presented. Jesus died not just for the sins of your neighbor, not just for the sins of your parents, not just for the sins of your children. Jesus died died for your sins. Jesus died so that you might have eternal life and you for yourself will have to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Not just believe that He was crucified, but believe that He was crucified for you, that He rose again for you and you will have to ask Him to forgive you of your sins and to save you. And if you're here this morning and you're lost, I beg you from my heart, to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And for those of us who are saved and we have been redeemed. Our sins washed away. Hearing again the old story ought to cause us to have great reason for thanksgiving and praise. And it ought to move us to continue to preach the gospel. To be a faithful witness. To those whom we are around each and every day. Because this is the only thing that will make a difference in a person's life eternally. Let's stand as we pray. Pastor, you come.